This sermon is titled, I Waited Patiently. What to do when you are just waiting. Be enriched as you listen. Before we get into the message this morning, I just want to share a few testimonies that came in. You know, uh, one reason we share these testimonies, of course, is, is to give glory to God, but also to encourage our faith, to know that, you know, as we hear the Word, as we respond to the Word, God is uh, ministering, God is touching, God is healing, and God is doing wonderful things. Do you like to hear testimonies? Yes or no? Okay, so this one, just three quick testimonies here. Three, I think, yeah. Um, so this one came in on the 5th of December. This was, all these were the, in, the, in this past week, recent week. Um, so this person wrote, he said, and I've been a member of uh, APC the last two years, and last year on May, I had an accident and injured my right elbow, and it's been paining since then. So uh, this happened on uh, the Supernatural Sunday. So when we were praying, um, we called for somebody who had an injury, um, uh, an elbow injury, due to an accident. And then he says, I immediately knew that it was for me. So he came forward, was prayed for, and he says, the whole week has passed by, and it's been without any pain at all. Amen. It's another testimony. Uh, this person wrote, I've been healed of uh, lower back pain. Uh, uh, she had pain for over a month. Oh, I had lower back pain since a month. And uh, she received prayer. I'm not sure which particular Sunday this was. But she says, um, I've been healed completely. Pain is gone. I praise God and thank God for that. And for all the blessings I received during 2021. Here's another testimony. Uh, this person wrote, uh, this came in on the 11th of December. Uh, she wrote, uh, I was having a problem in my right ankle for the last three weeks. There was swelling and severe pain in her right ankle. She was not able to walk. She went to the doctor, and she was taking some medications. She took it for a week, uh, called the doctor again, and uh, there's still, she says, after a week, there wasn't much difference. Uh, she was praying. And then on Supernatural Sunday 28, towards the end of the service, uh, we called out somebody with the right with, the, with, the, with the pain in the right ankle. She says she knew it was for her. She just praised God. Now, I think she was watching online. Yeah, I think uh, she was watching online. Uh, she knew it was for her. And then she says, immediately when I touched my ankle, there was no pain. I pressed. There was no pain. I pressed hard. And all the swelling and the pain disappeared. Amen. Amen. Let's thank God for these, these healings, miracles. Amen. Now, and I just reflect and said, God, thank you for these things, but we want to see even greater things. Amen? The things that Jesus did in the Bible, do you think he retired from those doing those things? It's like, I've gone to heaven, I'm seated, I'm retired. Or does he still do those things? He still does, right? And so we must expect, and we say, God, we want to see those things. The things that you did in the Gospels, you're still doing it today. And even more, the things that meet the needs of the people in various ways. And, and as we keep praying and expecting, we will continue to see the Lord work powerfully. Today, uh, let's turn our Bibles, please, to Psalm 40. Psalm 40. Now, usually, around this time, uh, we get into our... Uh, you know, Christmas outreach, and we have all those uh, celebrations, usually the second Sunday of December, or surely by the third Sunday of December, we have our 
big Christmas Sunday. You know, we, uh, we invite lots of people and we have all of those things happening. Um, but uh, last year and this year, obviously, we are not doing those things. And uh, this morning's message is really not a Christmas message. It's, um, it's perhaps something all of us have been thinking about. You know, we've gone through the pandemic almost two years now, and just about the time we think, okay, things are going to be relaxed a little bit, we're going to get back to some sort of normalcy, there's this news about a new variant, suddenly, you know, everybody's on alert, uh, there's more testing happening with, all people, with people flying in, all of that. And so, again, there's this whole sense of, okay, are we going to go back into another lockdown? What's going to happen? Is there going to be a third wave? So on and so forth. And, you know, we've been waiting patiently for two years, and uh, we're not sure how things are going to happen. I mean, how things are going to work out, January, February, March, and so on. We're just waiting to see what happens. And, of course, a lot of it does depend on our are we doing our part? That is, you know, you get vaccinated, make sure you wear your mask, follow the norms. Uh, government is not against us. We're all working together to help uh, pass through uh, this time. And so it does, we do have a certain amount of responsibility in all of this. But sometimes even life, life situations, is like this. We go from glory to glory, but sometimes we are stuck in the middle of two glories. <laughs> you've left one, you're waiting for the other, and you're right there in the middle. And you're waiting. And like, God, <laughs> when is this going to change? And the in-between period of two glories sometimes can be really long. And all we do is wait patiently. Wait patiently. So that's the focus of our message. The title of today's sermon is, I Waited Patiently. And we're going to look at Psalm 40, where David begins the psalm, psalm written by David. He begins the psalm by saying, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he describes what he went through. And uh, we will read the entire psalm to begin with. And... Uh, yeah, let's do that first. Let's read the whole Psalms. This says 17 verses. So if you have your Bibles, please follow with me, or the verses will be up on the screen. So we're going to read the entire Psalm, and then we're going to spend some time learning some lessons from Psalm 40. So let's go through it. Psalm 40, verse 1 onwards. David writes, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me, and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, 
they are more than can be numbered. A good place to say amen. Verse 6, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Verse 7, then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. And your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed the good news of righteousness in the great assembly. Indeed, I do not restrain my lips, O Lord. You yourself know. Verse 10. I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have declared your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great assembly. Do not withhold your tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let your loving kindness and your truth continually preserve me. Verse 12. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore my heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let them be ashamed and brought to mutual confusion who seek to destroy my life. Let them be driven backward and brought to dishonor who wish me evil. Let them be confounded because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. And all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let such as love your salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinks upon me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O my God. So this is a psalm written by David. We don't know exactly when it was written. We don't know exactly the situations that he was going through. And, you know, any things that are written about it are just speculation because we don't know for certain. But our goal today is to draw insights from the psalm. So we're going to uh, look at the psalm in three portions. So we divide the psalm into three portions. One, versus the first portion, the first five verses, where it's like an overview of what his, his experience. And then verses 6 through 11, the second portion, which tells us what David did while he was waiting patiently for the Lord. That's very important. What do you do when you're just waiting? We're going to look at that, that portion. And then the last portion is verses uh, 12 to 17, which where he shares some of the things that he went, his emotions and what he experienced while he was going through this time of waiting. So what we're going to do is we're going to use the first portion and the third portion together. That is verses 1 through 5 and 12 to 17. We're going to look at them side by side. And then we're going to look at the middle portion, verses 6 through 11, to gain understanding of what do you do when you are waiting. Our goal is not you know, an academic study of the psalm, but to make a personal journey through the psalm. And I can tell you there have been seasons in my life, personal life, when I've come back to the psalm and just stayed on those five verses for days, because I could connect with it, what I was going through. And 
uh, don't have time to talk about those, the seasons of life. But this time has meant a lot to me personally. I've dwelt in those five verses in different seasons of life and, uh, and gained strength and, and really let those words, verses actually become flesh, become a reality in my journey, in my walk with God. And I hope today, as we spend time with this psalm, there'll be things that will minister to our hearts. So David begins this psalm in verse 1. He says, I waited patiently. And like we said, there are times in life, we're going through things in life, we just have to wait patiently. And sometimes we do wait. But like David, we may not be waiting patiently. You see, all that David did say in verse 1, I waited patiently. There were times he became impatient. You look at verse uh, 12 there, or verse 13. He says, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Verse 13. In other words, Lord, hurry up and help me. So he waited, but maybe a little impatiently. Next verse in verse 17. Sorry, in verse 17 he says, the end of that verse, Do not delay to help me, O God. Do not delay, O my God. So he was waiting, but we can tell from this psalm that there were moments of impatience or periods of impatience. So don't make haste to help me. Hurry up, God. You know, why are you taking so long? And so we may feel like that at times. God, when is this going to get over? I mean, I'm waiting. When is this going to end? David said, I waited patiently. But there were times he prayed, make haste to help me. Do not delay my God. Come on, God. Hurry up. So we can relate to that. And it's just normal. And we have those kinds of feelings. And then in that same verse, as he, as he continues, he says, uh, uh, let me just back up. You know, so there, there may be situations in life where we find ourselves on hold. You know, maybe it's a fulfilling of a life vision. God's put a dream in your heart. And you know, I, this is what you're going to, you know, God's called you to do. And you think you're going to do it right now. And then the next thing you realize is you've actually entered a period of waiting. And I remember back in school, um, in 10th standard, when I finished 10th grade, I said, you know, Jesus is coming soon. I need to save the world. So I told my parents, I'm not going to study. I, have, I finished 10th. <laughs> I'm not studying anymore. I am going out to save the world. That's impatient. You know, those days we didn't know better, young, full of zeal, no wisdom. And uh, because I had this dream, God, I'm going to establish a big church in the city of Bangalore. and I'm going to shake the nation of India. So by the time I finished 10th, I knew what my calling was. Have a church in Bangalore, shake the nation of India. So impatient to do it. You know, and you may have heard me share this before, but my dad did a very smart thing. He took me, we were part of the Methodist church in those days, and there were two elderly people there. One was uh, Dr. Theodore Williams, founder of uh, Indian Evangelical Mission, and there was also Dr. Uh, uh, Thomas Nanamitu, who was a, a counselor there. So my dad took me, said one day, he, he fixed up meetings with both these people, and he took me first to Dr. Uh, 
Theodore Williams. And now he said, you know, I says, Jesus waited 30 years to start his ministry. Why are you in such a hurry? I said, okay, yeah, it makes sense. But, you know, Jesus is coming back soon. (laughs) So finished that. Then he took me to the church. We had an appointment with Dr. Thomas Nanamuthu. We sat down there and he listened to my story. I said, you know, I finished 10th standard. I need to save the world. Jesus is coming soon. Then he looked at me and said, you know, Jesus started his ministry when he was 30. Why are you in such a hurry? I was shocked that both these men said the same thing. And so that convinced me to continue in my 11th grade, in my 12th grade. And, you know, by the time things changed, uh, went on to do my studies and so on. But then, you know, it was really more than 10 years before I could even step into the vision that was burning in my heart. That more than 10 years, every time I would lift my hands up, the only thing I could think of was, God, a church in Bangalore, give me India. No matter which part of the world it was. When I was worshiping God, that was the only thing burning in my heart. A church in Bangalore, give me India. But it took a time. It took more than 10 years to be even able to step into starting off that work. So, like that, whether it's a life vision, or maybe it's, you know, somebody of you, some of you may be waiting for your life partner. Maybe uh, you're waiting for a change in, in your uh, professional journey. Maybe you're waiting for a promotion. Maybe you're waiting for your business to take off. Maybe, you know, there are different things in life, but you find yourself waiting. And sometimes waiting, like, like we saw David, can become very, you know, difficult. We get impatient. But I want to, want to remind us of what one of the things, and we could, you know, study on this a, a great deal, but one of the things you must understand that God is working in our lives in this waiting period is found there in James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. So if you can turn with me to James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. You know, what is God achieving when He keeps us on hold? What is God achieving in your life when you are waiting? James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, give us some insight. James writes, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the context here is, of course, trials, which we will come to. And, and David found himself in, in a difficult situation. The word trial in the New Testament, the Greek word, that same Greek word sometimes is translated temptations and sometimes it's translated like in James chapter 1, verse 2, trials, meaning tribulation. It's the same Greek word. Depending on the context, it could be temptation, it could be tribulation, adversity, difficulty, challenges, so on. So he says, when you find yourself in in, in situations like that, know this, verse 3. What must we know? That the testing of your faith. So this is, you know, faith has to be tested. It has to be put to the test. It has to be validated. You've got to prove it. It's one thing to say, I have faith. But faith needs to be tested. 
And so, the, and how was faith tested? When you go through these trials. The testing of your faith produces what? Produces patience. It produces this quality called endurance. So we could use different English words. We call it persistence. We call it endurance, steadfastness. Uh, we call it tenacity or resilience, you know, whatever word you want to use. Or if you're an athlete, you think about stamina, the ability to stay the course over time. So the testing of your faith gives you spiritual stamina. And that's what we all need. You see, the only way we, in, in the natural, the only way we're going to develop stamina as an athlete, as a runner, is by actually running. You can read books on long distance running. You can study, you know, how you have to stride and at what points do you need to, you know, uh, replenish, uh, uh, hydrate yourself and all. Of, I mean, you, can, you can know the science of it. Uh, you can study it. You can know the techniques, the mechanics of it. But none of that is going to actually develop stamina. The only way you're going to develop stamina as an athlete is by actually running. And you begin, maybe with, you know, the 800 meters, then you do a kilometer, you do two, you do three. That's the only way you do it. And that same is so true even for our spiritual lives. The only way you and I are going to develop spiritual stamina is by going through stuff in life where our faith is tested, and the testing of your faith produces endurance. But what good does endurance do? James continues. And let patience have its perfect work. The word perfect there means run, run to its completion. So let this endurance run its full course in your life. That means you stay the course. It's like a pressure cooker. You know, you put your potatoes in, you turn it on. And if you turn it off midway, it's not coming out cooked. It's going to be hard. You've got to let it run the full course. So let patience have its full course. Let patience have its complete work so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. In other words... When your faith is tested, spiritual stamina is being built, and that is going to bring you as a person into a place of maturity, into a place of completeness. Or Romans 5.4 puts it like this. Endurance develops approved, refined, tested character. It builds you up as a person. Are you with me so far? So when you and I are going through this waiting period, maybe it's because of adversity, and, and, and during that time you may be in adversity and so on. It doesn't necessarily have to be, but you're there. Let stand firm in your faith. And let be patient. Stay the course. Because God is building you up as a person. So let's declare this together. Let's say this out. Loudly, I think it'll come up on the screen as well. Let's say this out. While I'm waiting, God is perfecting something in me. Let's say it again. While I'm waiting, 
God is perfecting something in me. Now you're going to come out a better person at the end of this waiting period. You, and God's interested in you. And that's what he's accomplishing as you are in this waiting period. Now, we continue back in, uh, in Psalm 40 verse 1, the second part of that verse. David said, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. So he says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And what did God do? He inclined to me and heard my cry. You see, sometimes when we are in this waiting period, and as we will see, David wasn't just waiting. He was in a horrible pit in a mighty clay. Tells us in the next verse. So sometimes when we find ourselves in those difficult situations, a horrible pit, a mighty, the mighty clay, we wonder, where is God? I mean, doesn't he know it's so dark and dingy here? I'm isolated. I'm lonely. And you know, David, when he was in that pit, he also struggled. So you look at that third portion of Scripture, the passage there. You look at verse 12. This is what David said in verse 12, Isaiah Psalm 40. For innumerable evils have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart fails me. Notice what he says. I'm not able to look up. My heart fails me. Now, when you are in a horrible pit, you have only one option, to look up. And David says, I'm not able to look up. I'm not even able to do that. My heart fails me. In other words, I'm in this place where I feel like I have no more strength. I can't even do the little thing of looking up to God. I'm almost giving up. But in those moments, David says, He inclined to me and heard my cry. So, if you feel, and we will all feel this, God, I can't even look up. I can't even pray. I can't even say, Our Father who art in heaven. I can't even do that. I can't even look up. My heart fails me. God, where are you? What are you doing? I'm waiting. I'm in the pit. I'm in the muddy clay. I'm sinking. Where are you, God? What is God doing? He inclines to you. He hears your cry. So let's say this together. While I'm waiting, God is near me, leaning over, and listening to me. Let's say it again. While I'm waiting, God is near me, leaning over, and listening to me. So don't think when you're waiting, when you're in that horrible pit, in the muddy clay, you feel like you can't look up. You feel like giving up. But even those little whispers, those little tweets to God, help me. Hello, God. God listens. Amen? He inclines. He's near to you. And he hears your cry. Verse 2. 
He says, don't worry, we'll pick up speed. It's like, wow, already 20 minutes, only two verses. Relax. <laughs> we'll finish this fast. Verse 2. He also brought me up of a, out of a horrible pit, out of the muddy clay. So let's talk a little bit about that horrible pit, muddy clay. Horrible pit. Whatever that situation was, we don't know. We don't know exactly which season of David's life he wrote the psalm, what he was going through. We don't know. But he calls it a horrible pit. Mean, meaning it's lonely in there, hopeless, dark, not a nice place. And he calls it mighty clay, meaning it's all sticky, messy, maybe something like quicksand. He's like, God, I'm sinking, slowly going down. And sometimes life situations can seem like that. Maybe it's a financial loss. And it, must have been, it could have been, I'm not talking about David, but I'm talking about our situ life situations. Maybe it's a financial loss. Maybe you had, it's, it, you've been hit hard financially. Maybe it could be a failure. Maybe you failed it, you know, in your exams, your studies. Maybe it was a failure in a business venture. Something happened. Maybe it's a breakdown in your marriage. And things have gotten so bad that, hey, seems like you're in a horrible pit. Mighty clay, no way out, can't even look up, heart's failing. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one, somebody you loved so much, and they've gone. And you feel emotionally in a horrible pit, in a mighty clay, whatever. There could be so many different situations. You know, sometimes these things could be the result of our own actions. I mean, look at David's case. He mentions the reasons in verses 12 and 14, the third portion. In verse 12, he says, innumerable evils. A lot of bad things are happening. Innumerable evils. And he also says in verse 12, my iniquities. That means he made mistakes. He did wrong things. So why is he in that horrible pit? Why is he in that muddy clay? A lot of bad things are happening. But he's also responsible. He says, my iniquities have overtaken me. And he made mistakes. That's why he's there. And then he also mentions in verse 14, he says, there are people who seek to destroy my life, who wish me evil. So, there are people against him. That could be another addition to what's causing that horrible pit experience, that mighty clay experience. So, you know, whatever the reason is, sometimes it's our wrong choices. Like, for example, if you didn't study in for your subjects and you failed, don't say, God put me in a horrible pit. No, you didn't study. Don't blame God. He's always a good God. But He wants us to be responsible. So it's my, my mistake. If you, you know, spent all your money at Central Forum and and money is gone. Don't say, God did this to me. God didn't do it. You went, you're the one who went shopping. So my iniquities have got the better of me. Means your choices, your actions is what put you there. Same thing in marriage. 
you know, husband, wife, fighting, fighting. Now, estranged from each other. Don't say, God did this to us. No. It's both of you. You need to develop the skills that you need to build your marriage. That's why we have a marriage preparation course. That's why we have counselors, marriage counselors who can teach you how to develop the skills you need. Don't blame God for that. My iniquities have overtaken me. Are you listening? Be humble enough to go and learn the skills you need to fix your marriage. You see, we spend, I don't know how many years, maybe 12 plus 3 plus 2, maybe 17 years in college to get a job. Why can't you spend five months to learn the skills to take care of your marriage? Hello? You know, couple wants to get married. They don't have five months. We say, you know, marriage preparation course get, takes five months. Sorry, pastor, that's too long. We want to get married in five days. And I'm wondering, like, man, you spend 17 years of life going through school and college, or, you know, to get a job. And here you can't give us five months to help you develop the skills you need for your marriage. Because then you're going to live together for the next 40 years or so. So the point is this. Sometimes we put ourselves in a horrible pit. And we find ourselves in a muddy clay because our iniquities, our foolishness. Sometimes it's calamities. Situations, unexpected things we, we had no control over. And yes, those things happen. Maybe you got laid off at, from work. It wasn't your fault. Pandemic happened. Businesses running dry. They had to lay off people. You were affected. Not your fault. Don't blame yourself. Whatever the cause is, there is good news for all of us. Amen? Because David continues in Psalm 40, verse 2, verse 3 onwards. Let's read that. He talks about the marvelous deliverance of God. Verse 2. Are you all with me so far? All right. What did God do? Verse 2. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it. And will trust in the Lord. Amen. And he says in verse 5. Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works. Which you have done. And your thoughts towards us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So this is the beautiful part. The Lord's marvelous deliverance. And this is true for all of us today. Doesn't matter what caused you. To come into that horrible pit and that mighty clay. This is the good news. He brings us out of the horrible pit. Amen? And He sets our feet upon the rock. He establishes our steps. He puts a new song in our mouth. Amen? And people are going to see it. And they will turn to the Lord. Amen? So this is a beautiful thing. And this is the confidence we have. And this is the assurance I want you to receive in your heart today. If you are in a, 
in this situation that you identify with David. Hey, right now, right here, I feel like I'm in a horrible pit. I feel like my feet are in this miry, messy, dirty place and I'm sinking. I want you to take a hold of God's word. This is God's word for you. That God will bring you up. He will set you up. He will put your feet upon the rock. He will establish your goings. He'll make them strong, solid, secure, unshakable. And he will give you a new song to sing. And people will see what the Lord does in your life. And they will turn to God. So let's affirm this together. Let's say this together. You are my help and my deliverer. You will bring me out and set me up. You will establish my steps. You will put a new song in my mouth. Others will see what the Lord does for me and turn to the Lord. Amen. This is our God. I want to encourage your heart today. This is what God will do for you. On Isaiah 61 verse 3, and these are not on the screen, but he says, you know, he's the God who comforts those who mourn in Zion. He's the God who gives us the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He's the God who uh, turns our mourning into dancing. He's the God who says, weeping may endure for the night, for a night, but joy comes in the morning. He's the God, Isaiah 61 verse 7. He's the God who says, for your shame, I will give you double honor. For your confusion, I will give you peace. Amen. That's the God we serve. And that's the confidence we have in our God. Amen. So I want to encourage you. That no matter how you have got into that horrible pit. What the cause is. Of course we've got to deal with the cause. But God has a way. And God will bring you out of that horrible pit. He will set your feet upon the rock. He will establish your steps. He will give you a new song to sing. And people will see what the Lord does in your life. And they will glorify God. That's the confidence we have. But now, what do we do while we wait? And that's the second part that we want to look at. That is verses 6 through 11. What do we do when we are waiting? We know God will bring us out. We know this, this present situation is not going to be there forever. God can turn it out and God will turn it out. But while I am waiting, what must I do? What did David do? Psalm 40, verses 6 through 11. You all with me still? All right. Let's look at what did David do while he was there. Now, you know, it's very interesting Psalm 40, verses 6 through 11, or these verses 6 through 8, part of this, Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8, are actually a prophecy that David gives while he is going through this difficult time. He's actually prophesying about the Messiah. So when you study scripture, one of the things about hermeneutics is there's a law of double reference. That means the writer is writing or the psalmist is, is writing his psalm or this is with the psalms or other, other texts. 
there's a law of double reference, meaning it has an immediate application in the, in the person who's writing it, but it's also prophetic, meaning it is pointing ahead to something else. So there's a double reference here in verses 6 to 8. David is expressing what he's, he did, but it's so prophetic, he's actually speaking about Jesus Christ. And how do we know that? In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 through 7, the writer of Hebrews quotes Psalm 40, verse 6 to 8, with reference to Jesus Christ. So here's a very interesting thing. While David went through his horrible pit and mighty clay experience, God brought out a prophetic word about Jesus Christ. How big is that? David, going through his horrible pit and mighty clay experience, and God is bringing out of his life a prophetic word about the Messiah. That's how God works. So let's declare this together. While I'm waiting, God is releasing something powerful through me. Let's say it again. While I'm waiting, God is releasing something powerful through me. Now just imagine, David is in a horrible pit to mighty clay, and it's not nice. And yet he is prophesying about the Messiah. And hundreds of years later, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, David spoke about Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 10, 5, 5 through 7, he writes those words. So don't think waiting or don't think being in that horrible pit and mighty clay situation, God cannot work through you while you're waiting, while you may be in a horrible pit, in a mighty clay. God is releasing something powerful through you. Amen. And it's so true when I look back in those seasons when I found myself in a horrible pit and mighty clay. I look back and say, wow, that's what happened. I remember one particular season. I wrote books while I was in that season. And those books are being out, you know, being a blessing to people today. But it was written in that, in that horrible pit and mighty clay season of my life. There were lessons that I learned during those seasons, which today are in print and are, you know, the, the, the books go out in so many different languages all across India. But nobody knows that was written when I was in, sitting in a horrible pit in a mighty clay. But it's blessing people. So while you are waiting, God is releasing something powerful through your life. Amen? Now, in these verses, I, I don't want us to look at these, these verses from the prophetic reference to Christ. It is there, but we don't have time to study it. What we're going to do, do is look at what did David do? What did David do while he was in the waiting period, while he was there in the horrible pit? We'll find four things. First of all, verse 6. Number 1, verse 6. David says, 
Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. So David learned the first lesson. God, you don't want sacrifice. You don't want offering. You want a listening and obedient. Yeah. So first thing. What must you do in your waiting period? Not give more money to the church. That's not what God's asking you. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. It's not about making those sacrifices and, oh, let me, you know, maybe God is upset with me. You know, see, that's how our religious mind thinks. When we find ourselves in a horrible pit, in a miry clay, or in this waiting period, our religious mind kicks in and says, maybe God is upset with you, so give him a lot more jalebis. Give him some more money. Give him to do, do, sacrifice and offering and burn, do that. But David realized, sacrifice and offering is not what you want. My ears, you have? Ah, oh, you want me to listen and be? Now, Jesus put it like this. He said, what you hear, this is not in the notes, so it's on a little rabbit trail. What you hear in the ear, you shouted from the rooftop. What I speak to you in darkness, that you proclaim in the light. That means, when you're in that horrible pit, that, 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 time of your life God opens your ear he's speaking to you listen obey and those things will become your life's message you'll be able to shout it from the rooftop and you'll be able to proclaim it in the light people wonder where did you get all this well when I was in darkness God was speaking to me are you listening? Speaking to you. So he says in verse 6, Sacrifice and offering you didn't want. My ears you opened. You wanted me to listen and obey. So what do you do when you're waiting? What do you do if you're in that horrible pit? Pay attention to God. What is God speaking? What's he teaching you? What, what, is, what, is, what are the things you're learning at that time? Make a note of it. Obey it. That's what, what God wants. You know, we know this scripture in 1 Samuel 15, 22. Again, it's not in the sermon notes, but Saul learned it the hard way when he was rebuked by the prophet Samuel. He said, you know, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's not about how much sacrifice. Obey God. Obey. Listen. So that's the first thing. Second, verse 7. Verse 7. David says, Then I said, so David's speaking, Then I said, Behold, I come. In the scroll of the book, it is written of me. So that's the second thing. Recognize and affirm what God has spoken about you in the words. David says, you know, while he's going through this, he says, 
Oh, in the scroll of your book, it is written of me. In other words, he is connecting to the word of God. He is seeing what the word of God has spoken about him. So, second thing. When you are, you and I are going through this waiting times. Times in the pit and the miry clay. Second thing. Find out what God said about you. And affirm that to be true in your life. I can tell you. In my seasons, I used to say what Psalm 40 verse 5, verses 2, 3, 4, 5 says. I would say, God brings me up out of this horrible pit. He sets my feet upon a rock. He establishes my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise to my God. And many will see it and turn to the Lord. Next day, I'm still in the same pit. Still in the same Marie clay. But I will affirm what the word says. God puts a new song in my mouth. God establishes my grace. One month later, I'm still in the muddy, I'm still in the horrible pit. I'm still in the muddy clay, but I'm still affirming what God's word says about me. Are you with me? Find out what the word of God says. Lo, it is written of me in your book. God, your word says that you will always cause me to triumph. God, your word says that you have made me an overcomer. God, your word says that through my God I will do valiantly. I remember in one of my earliest seasons, I, uh, part of uh, those, that season of being the horrible pit, I was down and broke financially. I was, I was a graduate student. I did some foolish things. I used my credit card, spent more money. Uh, and I was in a bad shape financially. But you know what I was saying in those days? Literally, I was in debt. But this is what I was saying. I said, God is going to bless me so much. I'm going to open my wallet and I'm going to give away thousands of dollars. I'm going to give away thousands of rupees to people. And you know what? I was in the horrible pit. But why would I say that? Because the word says, I am like a tree planted by rivers of water. I will bring forth my fruit in its season. My leaf will not wither. And whatever I do will prosper. But I was in bad shape financially. I did foolish things. So my iniquities got me there. But I knew how to get out. Because I knew that God's word has not changed. His word still says he will bless all the work of my hands. His word still says I can be like a tree planted by rivers of water. Amen. Now I want you to know that your present situation is no indication of your final destination. Your final destination is described by the word of God. Your present situation can change. And it can change and align itself to the word of God. But you must find out what the word says. And you affirm it even though your situations don't seem like it. Amen. Thank God he's, he just blessed us so much. You know just this year. And you will hear it in the year end report. Just this year as a church. We gave away 4.77 crores to more than 2,000 people around the country. 
just this year. In a, in a period of three months during the COVID relief period, we as a church sent out 3.77 crores across North India, across India. And then in our India Care Project, follow up on that, some other generous family came forward. We gave away one crore rupees to 391 pastors across India. Totally 4.77 crores. We as a church, I'm, I'm just standing watching and say, God, thank you that we can do this. But there was a time when I had nothing. But you need to know what the word says. And you have found that. Amen? So David said, it's written in this book. You see, and it is in those times as you look at the word of God, you will also find your calling. I just want to point you to two instances. Think about John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness. He was in obscurity. So he was in this time when, you know, you could, I don't know whether how horrible his pit was, but he was in this time and he was waiting. But then when he comes in, comes out, people ask him, what do you say about yourself? And well, you know what John the Baptist replies? It's John chapter 1. He says, I am the voice of the one, I am the one, the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. He's quoting from Isaiah 40. He found his calling in the word of God. Load is written of me in your book. But when did that happen? Well, he was in the wilderness. He was in obscurity before he came out into the light. So it's most likely in that season, while he was re reading the scroll of the book, suddenly Isaiah 40 would have jumped on him and hit him and said, this is your calling, John. So when he comes out of the wilderness and he begins his ministry, and people ask, who are you? I'm the voice of one. Where did you find it? In the scroll of the book. It was written of me. Are you listening? Think about Jesus. He begins his ministry. What does he do? He says, he opens Isaiah 61. And he's saying, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel. So on. And he says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your years. Jesus found his calling in the scroll of the book. What am I saying? Many times, as you're waiting and you are looking into the scroll of the book, God will reveal your calling. He will reveal to you what he wants you to do. You'll find it there. It's written of me. You'll find it in the scroll of the book. Number three, what did David do? Verse eight, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. While he was waiting, what did he do? I delight to do your will, O oh God. You know, sometimes when people are in that horrible pit, in the miry clay, and they're waiting, they get angry with God. They get upset with God. Why isn't God doing anything for me? Why is he, why did he let this happen to me? Why am I in this horrible pit? Why am I in this mess? And they think they can teach God a lesson. I'm going to teach God a lesson. How dare he do this to me? 
And then they go and get into sin. They mess up their lives. They think they're teaching God a lesson. Look, that, and please forgive what I'm about to say, but that is a very foolish response. When you are in the horrible pit, in a Marie clay, when you are in the waiting period, of course there is frustration. But like David, verse 8, be determined. I delight to do your will because your word or your law is in my heart. God, my situation is not going to drive me away from you. It's going to drive me to you. Me waiting here, me feeling frustrated, me feeling when is God going to come through? It's not going to drive me into sin and rebellion and doing the wrong things. No, I'm going to be determined. I will delight to do the will of God. Are you with me? So while you're in that situation, like David, I delight to do your will because your words in my heart. God. I know I'm in a difficult situation. I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to follow your word. That's it. I'm committed to that. The last thing, fourth thing we see David do. This is verses 9 through 11. He says that he will proclaim God's goodness, faithfulness, salvation, and righteousness. You know, he says, God... I'm going to talk about your goodness. I'm going to talk about your salvation. I'm going to talk about your righteousness in the great assembly. I'm going to tell people how good you are. So that's the fourth thing that we do. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about His faithfulness. Talk about the fact that God heals, God delivers, God rescues, God can change it. Talk about who God is. You don't have to always talk about your mess. You don't have to always tell people how dark your pit is. You don't have to tell people how deep your pit is. It's not going to do anybody any good. They might get in the pit with you. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about how faithful He is. Talk about His salvation. That's what David said. God, I will proclaim your salvation. I will tell people of your goodness. Are you listening? So let's wrap up. Summary. What did we learn today? You know, we learned, and I did not highlight this point, but we learned that God works suddenly, God works gradually. God works both ways. We love the instantaneous. We love the instant healing, the instant deliverance, and then, you know, the change in your life, the breakthrough. We love that. But all, God also works gradually. Because there are certain things that can be accomplished in our lives only through a process. So we learned that we must let patience run its full course. So while you're going through it, let it run its full course. Because you're going to come out a better person through that. What is God doing when you are waiting? Three things. Let's say this together. While I'm waiting... God is perfecting something in me. 
Second, while I'm waiting, God is near me, leaning over and listening to me. So even your feeble prayers are being heard. Number three, what is God doing? While I'm waiting, God is releasing something powerful through me. Amen? And what's the hope we have? We have this confidence that, you know, regardless of what the horrible pit is, God will bring us out. He will set us on top. He will establish our steps. He will put a new song in our mouth and others will see it. I will give praise to God. This is our confidence. Not, let nothing shake that confidence. God is bringing you out. He will. But what must we do? Four things. Number one, listen and be obedient. So let me go back to that. You know, sometimes you need to state things explicitly. So let me state a few things. Listen and be obedient. If you're in a financial situation, God wants to bring you out. I mean, a difficult situation financially. God wants to bring you out. But get some help. Listen and be obedient. And one of the things, the best things you can do is to go to somebody who can give you financial advice. I'm not talking about your friend. I'm talking about somebody who's qualified to help you. Go to a chartered accountant. Or, you know, we have people in the church who can help you. Reach out. If your marriage is in difficulty, listen and be obedient. Humble yourself. Go to the counselor. And they will tell you, this is what God wants of you as a husband, wants of you as a wife, and you develop these skills you can fix. God can bring you out of this horrible pit. But you got to listen and be obedient. Second, what must we do? We recognize and affirm what God has spoken about us in the Word. Hold on to that. Everything God has spoken about you in His Word is true. You affirm that even while you're in the pit. Even while you're in your time of waiting, affirm that. Number three, delight in doing His will. Keep doing it. Don't stop doing what the will of God for your life. And number four, proclaim God's goodness and faithfulness. Talk about the goodness of God. Talk about how great God is, how faithful He is. Amen? If you want to listen some more, you can be seated. If you're done, please stand. Everybody's still in. All right, let's stand. Worship team, please come. So this morning, I just want to encourage your heart. There are times we go through this, but know that God will bring you out. But being in that horrible pit. Being in that Marie clay, it's not easy. I don't want to make light of it. It's painful. Sometimes we cry our tears all alone. Sometimes it's lonely because nobody else can really understand the pain. You're the only one who knows the situation. So I don't want to make light of it. I just want to bring hope to your heart from God's Word. That God will bring you out. 
God will change things. He will turn the page. He'll write a new story. He will do that. He has done it in the lives of so many people. And he'll do it in yours. But listen. Be obedient. It's not sacrifice and offering that God wants. He wants us to open our ears and listen. Find out what the Word of God says about you and affirm that. Let that strengthen you. Let the Word of God strengthen you. Number three. You delight in doing His will. Don't give up on that. Just stay. Stay the course. Keep doing His will. Talk about number four. Talk about God's goodness. How good God is. You're going to take some time to pray. And this morning, be encouraged that God will turn things out, things around in your life. As we sing this little chorus, it's an old chorus. Let it be your song, your song of victory, that God will do great things in your life. You deserve the glory and the honor. But as we lift our hands and worship, as we lift your holy name, you deserve the glory and the honor. But as we lift our hands and worship, as we lift your holy name for you are great you the miracle so great there is no one else like you there is no one else like you for you are great you the miracle so the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name you deserve the glory and the honor Lord we lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name Oh, God. 
is no one else like you, Jesus. Need pity of our Pudanga save of our Umay Umay Arpudanga Sebova, O my pole yarumile, O my pole yarumile. Just one last time, let's just sing that chorus. For you are great, you the miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. For you are great. You the miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you. Let's just pray together. Father, we just pray. I want everyone to just pray in the Spirit. You may not be praying for yourself, but there are people inside this auditorium. There may be so many watching online. Today, they are in that situation. And they find themselves in a horrible pit, in a miry clay. And they need our prayer. Could we all pray? Just pray and say, God, just use this prayer for somebody Use this prayer for somebody. Pray in tongues. Pray however you can. Father, we pray over people, God. Those inside the auditorium, those watching online. And God, some may find themselves in a horrible pit today. In a miry clay. Life is not easy. They're going through pain. Hurts. They're struggling. God, we cry out for such people. We pray what your word says for them, God. That you will bring them out of this horrible pain. Out of the Mary clay. Put a new song in their mouth, oh God. Establish them on the solid rock. Establish their steps. Put a new song in their mouth. And let people see what you do in their lives. And let them give you glory. Father, we pray for people. This very moment, this Christmas season, they may be still struggling. God, strengthen them. Whatever time they have to journey, whatever time they have to wait patiently, strengthen them until they see you do this beautiful work of bringing them out. Setting them upon a rock. 
giving them a new song. Father, strengthen. Strengthen each one. Encourage their hearts. Father, we pray that you'll open their ears to hear the instruction that you want them to receive. Maybe the counsel of a friend. Maybe the counsel of somebody who can speak into their lives. Father, you said in your word, it is you who make us willing and obedient. To do your will. So help them be willing and obedient to God. Do this, Father. God, we do believe in miracles. We do believe that you work both ways. You work instantly. You work gradually. We welcome your work, God. But be glorified in the lives of your people. Be glorified in the lives of your people, Father. Thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to close with a benediction. And if you need prayer, we'll be available to pray with you one on one, minister to you. But let's close. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We trust this message was a blessing to you. For more free resources, including sermons, sermon notes, publication, please visit apcwo.org. For information on APC Bible College in Bangalore, please visit apcbiblecollege.org. Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play Store.